The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hey everybody, welcome to Take Off with John Clark, and please rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe for free. And look, Philly, everybody's hurting in Philly with what happened to the Sixers, so we need a little perspective. We need a little context. Let's bring in former Sixer, TJ McConnell. TJ, we miss you here in Philly. Miss you guys too, man. Um, you know, I'm sorry how the, the season ended, but, you know, genuinely miss you guys. Miss the city of Philly. Um, happy in Indiana, though, but, but do miss you guys. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Look, we're going to talk about your career here, and not bad, the career you've made for yourself after not being allowed into Xfinity Live when you were playing for the Sixers at first. <laughs> uh, I, I was hoping you weren't going to bring that up. Um, definitely an embarrassing moment for me, for sure, but... Um, that's what make that um, that's what makes Philly Philly. So um, you know, I paid the cover. If that's what if that's what people wanted to know, um, you know, they wanted me to show a ticket, and obviously I didn't have one because I was playing. But you know, it was it was funny. I get a good laugh out of it. Well, look, I mean, it's a great story because they all know you now and what you've done. And as I said, we'll talk about your career here. Help us get through this in Philly because you have such a good perspective. Um, you watched the series, I imagine. And you watched game seven. How difficult was it to watch your former teammates that, that are still on the Sixers go down like that to the Hawks when you're the number one seed in the Eastern Conference? And this is kind of what the process was for a moment like that. Yeah, it was tough. You know, I'm, I'm close with a lot of those guys and, and even um, a few on the staff. Um, just kind of felt for them. But at the same time, you got to give the Hawks a ton of credit. You know, in the playoffs, if you get hot and kind of roll off that um, and, and, and are confident in the way you're playing, I think that's what they're doing right now and, and just came out and, um, and, and kind of willed, willed, them, willed their team to win. And, but it, it was tough, you know, to see Joel and Ben and, and, and everyone that I'm close with kind of go down like that. If I would have told you the Sixers would have the best home record in the Eastern Conference, number one seed, and then they lose three home games in a series to the Hawks, I mean, how stunning is that? Yeah, if, if you told me that, um, I would be very surprised. Uh, I think the Wells Fargo Center is one of the hardest places to play in the NBA. And, um, and, and that's just the playoffs, man. It, it really is. It's 
no lead is ever safe. Um, and, and it's not like in the playoffs, you're playing bad teams. Um, every possession matters. Um, but obviously very surprising that they lost the, the three games at, at Wells Fargo, but it seemed very loud nonetheless. And I wasn't surprised by that. So watching the series, what do you think is the main reason why the Sixers lost in game seven? Um, honestly, uh, to me, I just feel like Atlanta had an answer for, you know, for everything, you know, Philly would make a run and, you know, Herter had a big night and, and they just had an answer for everything. Um, and, and that to me was a turning point, you know, when, when, when they got up a few points, you know, you would have liked to seen Philly extend that lead and, and kind of go from there, but Atlanta just never really went away. And that's the sign of a, of a great team. And was it a really, really bad sign when the Sixers lost game five at home, that pivotal game when they had that 26 point lead? Yeah. I mean, obviously that hurts and you think back and, um, and you say, what if, you know, we closed them out, you know, the series would have been differently, but you know, I sound like a broken record, but that's the playoffs. Like I said, there is no lead that's safe. Um, and, and you can't really, look back and say, well, if we did this differently, if we did that differently, it just doesn't work like that. And you, you talked about the playoffs and you were there uh, with the Sixers two years ago, that heartbreaking loss in Toronto, where, I mean, nine out of 10 times that ball may not go in the Kawhi shot. Um, can, can you take us back to that and describe the pain you saw with Joel? You obviously saw the tears, the pain you saw from everybody and maybe do you think the team is, is reliving that again here? Yeah. I mean, that bounce, uh, I think that will, that will forever haunt me. Um, and when I saw that, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there, there's just no way to describe it. You, you kind of look back, take a step back and say, did that, did that really just happen? Um, did we just lose like that? And, you know, it was difficult. And I didn't know if I was going to be back with the, with the Sixers or not. And um, I feel like a lot of us thought we deserved, you know, to win that game. And um, like I said, it was just kind of brutal <laughs> to, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and this is really brutal too, because you went through the process. Uh, you were there your first season in the NBA, 10 wins. And it was like building to a moment where, they're the number one seed in the Eastern conference and everybody in this city, the players, the coaches, Daryl Morey even said, we have NBA finals aspirations. Um, is the process a failure or what do you think the result of the process is now? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's, it's necessarily a failure um, because we went from winning 10 games and even before that, just kind of being in, in, in mediocrity, you know, not getting to the first round and, and losing, um, but being a bad bounce away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Raptors and, um, you know, a game going differently in, in this round for, for the Sixers. But you get guys like Joel and Ben who are generational talents. I think that's what the, you know, the process was all about getting a core group of guys and, 
and having finals aspirations every year. I, I feel like that's what the process was all about. Two years ago, you had Jimmy Butler and Jimmy just seemed to have cojones. Uh, he would take that ball with the game on the line and he didn't care about the consequences. Look, Joel is still young, 27. Ben is 24. You've got young guys. Tobias Harris, I believe, is 29. But it seemed to me that maybe the Hawks were bigger in the moment in the fourth quarter. How hard is it to become a closer or have that mentality in those huge pressure-packed moments when it's all on the line? And, and is there growth to be made in that area, do you think, with the Sixers? Yeah, I mean, you saw what Trey Young was able to do. Um, it, it takes a ton of confidence. Um, and you have to have the ball in your hands and, and make the right play. And I feel like he did that um, with, you know, with the Hawks. He was making the right play. He was hitting big-time threes and, and getting in the lane and shooting his patent floater and, and then dropping it off to Clint Capella and finding shooters. So the way he was able to do that throughout the playoffs, not just that series, um, was incredible. But I feel like, you know, there's always room for improvement with teams, you know what I'm saying? And, um, growth and, 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 and becoming a closer. Um, I feel like with every team, um, you, you're, you're going to need that. You talked about coming into the NBA as an undrafted player, uh, and you had 10 wins. And then a couple of years later, boom, you're right there in the playoffs. Joel and Ben are playing. Um, when you have that losing going on, and it permeates through everything. You step on the court and, and you're probably thinking, well, I mean, the team really wants us to lose. That's the plan. How hard is it to get into a winning mentality from those years? And do you still have scars from it? Uh, and is there still residue, do you think, for everybody from it? Yeah, it was obviously difficult, you know, going into a game, knowing you're probably going to lose. You know, we just didn't have enough. I feel like we had the most uh, blown leads in the fourth quarter in the NBA. So it's not like we were getting blown out every night, but um, you know, we just didn't have enough to win enough games. And um, Brett to me did a really good job of keeping us together and keeping everyone engaged. And, you know, we were having fun and, and, and it was tough losing, but um, I feel like it was valuable experience for me. You know, not everyone as a rookie gets to play a lot of minutes and, because we were going through what we were going through, I was able to get value, valuable experience in the league, and, I, and I'm thankful for that. So i got to ask you about Ben Simmons. Uh, your former teammate, when you're watching what happened to him, especially later in the series with the Hawks, uh, not attempting a field goal in the last four games of that series in the fourth quarter, what was going through your mind and your heart when you're seeing your former teammate go out there like that and obviously there was something going on no it's hard um to, I, I think he's he's receiving some unfair criticism and should could he have shot more yes of course but I feel like people are kind of just throwing it under the the rug that he had 13 assists and did what he's done all year on the defensive end and held trade to five for 23 um from the field um, and he can get 13 plus assists on a nightly basis. So, um, he, he does other things. He, he makes his teammates better. He defends one through five. And I just feel like, um, 
people want him to shoot more and, and, and he could shoot more. Uh, I think a lot of people could shoot more, but he coming out of college, uh, did people expect him to average what 28, 30 points a game? He, he gets people involved. That's what he does. He's a point guard pass first point guard. That means he's going to pass the ball first, which he does. And, and he defends one through five and he does that better than almost anyone in the NBA. That's true. Now, Obviously, what happened with the free throws, um, he's gone downhill in, in the three playoffs uh, over the years. And this was, you know, one of the worst in NBA history as far as playoffs go. How badly did you feel for him when he was at the line? He said it's mental. So it's now, you know, something that's in his head. Yeah, I obviously feel for him because I consider him a good friend and you know, he's a great teammate and I've seen him step up to the line and shoot it with confidence. So I know that that's there. Um, so like, like I said, you know, I, I felt for him, but, but I've seen him go up to the line and knock him down. No problem. So I, I think we all have, so we all know it's there. And I know he's a good friend. I just got a couple more questions about Ben because we're trying to wrap our heads around it because of how talented he is. Um, you know, when he passed up the, the open dunk there, with three minutes left in the fourth, obviously, do you think that's going through his head? He doesn't want to get to the free throw line. I mean, how do you, how do you explain that situation where he was so apprehensive about being around the basket? Yeah. I mean, I watched the play a couple of times and um, even saw what he said. Um, you know, like I said, like I said before, he's a pass first guy and, and obviously probably should have laid it in, but, Throughout a game, I think people don't realize, like, he, he, he felt like there was someone behind him. And, you know, if his shot got blocked and um, they go the other way, he, he found someone that was open and, and they went to the free throw line. Um, I, I just think he was just doing his job. Like, and people can say he was scared to get fouled. And, but when, you're, when you have to make a split decision like that in the moment, you know, he, he, he felt like Matisse probably had a – had a more open shot and it kind of just didn't work out that way. And like I said, just receiving some unfair criticism about it. And you saw him up close this year uh, and he averaged 20 points against you guys when, when he played you. Now, some of those games were without Joel Embiid and Doc Rivers has said, you know, I've told him sometimes you've got to be aggressive and Joel tells him that. And then you see him be aggressive. How come you think sometimes he is aggressive offensively and other times he's not? Well, that's what I love most about Ben. He lets the game come to him. He's not going to force anything and take bad shots. And um, someone of his caliber uh, of a player, um, you would expect to force it and take bad shots, but he doesn't. He's looking for his teammates. He's trying to make his teammates better. And when he sees an open lane, he takes it. And, and I think that's what, that's what makes him really good. All right. I know this might be a little uncomfortable. I'm going to just ask you. Uh, Brett Brown wanted Ben to shoot. Elton Brand wanted him to shoot. Brett even said, I want you to shoot one three a game. And it never happened. We see Ben in warmups, shooting jumpers, shooting threes. And how come you don't think he brings it into the games? How come we don't see him shooting a jumper in games? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, someone like myself, I don't shoot a ton of threes either. Um, I think when I think about it, I could take threes when I'm open or I can get someone a better shot. 
um, someone that shoots a three at a higher level. And I feel like that's how, that's how he thinks. He's always thinking about his teammates and how he can get them going and get them open shots to someone who hate, who hits threes um, at a high thirties, low forties clip. And I feel like that's what he wants to do. But would, would a mid range jumper for him really help his game and help the team? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've, I see him working on it. You've seen videos of it and, and, and it's there. It's just about taking it and, um, and it would open up the game so much for him. And I know he's going to work extremely hard this summer on it and, and kind of take his game to the next level in that area. You know, he, he talked a couple of years ago about hearing all the outside noise that's out there and trying to block it out. And we live in a social media world now. Sometimes it's, it's really bad. It's really negative. It's toxic. Do you think that he can keep playing here in Philadelphia. It's a very tough environment here, passionate fan base, and they're really on them right now. Do you think that he can have the mental fortitude to continue to play here? Yeah. I mean, I'm not in the front office, uh, so I can't really answer that, but I feel like Ben is very strong-minded. I mean, he came out and said he expected to be booed um, because he didn't think he showed up. I mean, that's just the kind of guy he is. He has high expectations for himself. And I know he's going to get in the gym, and take his game to the next level. And I'm sure he would love to be back in Philadelphia. If I know Ben like I do, I'm sure he would love to be back. And the one thing I think there's a misperception, uh, misconception about it, perception is that sometimes when he's in his interviews, he seems a little aloof or kind of act like he doesn't care sometimes. Um, can you explain the Ben Simmons you know? Uh, does he care a lot? I mean, he came over to America to try to become one of the best basketball players. Yeah, I mean, the people that think that he doesn't care, um, I mean, they just quite obviously don't know him. Um, that guy cares about basketball, his teammates, winning the organization um, more than anyone. And if people are saying he doesn't care, that could not be further from the truth. For you, I know when you had the 10-win the season coming into the NBA – Philly is a tough place to play, but you can win over Philly. How difficult was it for you at first in Philly? And then you won over this town. I mean, how passionate and how tough is it for a guy to play in Philly? I think it took me like two and a half years um, to win them over. And um, just, just by playing extremely hard and, and giving everything you have every night, that's, that's what they love. That's what the city's all about. Um, blue collar, um, just getting after it. And, and, and when you do win them over, it's, it's like the most rewarding, <laughs> the most rewarding thing. And, um, and it was, I enjoyed my four years playing there and, um, you know, miss it. I do miss it. Did you get into your head as well about that? Because you were playing your heart out. We can see that. Uh, and you're on a 10-win team. There's a lot of struggles. Did you have a lot of thoughts mentally about acceptance from the city, acceptance from the fans? You know, I, I'd be lying to you if I said no. Absolutely. You want to be well-liked, well-received, well and um, you want a, a, a fan base that's passionate to be behind you and, and want you to be out there. Um, so that's why I stayed in the gym as much as I did and 
um, play as hard as I do. I mean, these people are paying for tickets and if you're not giving effort, it's just, I just feel like you're doing them such a disservice. So do you think that in a way, Philly, as tough as it is, it does toughen you and take you to another level mentally of, of fighting through things and working harder? 100%, because if you're not playing hard and, and you're playing like crap, they'll let you know about it. And you got to focus more and, and give more energy and just flat out play better. And I think it, it helped me grow as a player and, and, and focus more and on what I need to do better. And, um, you know, if I'm struggling one area in the game, they'll let you know about it. So I got to focus on being better in that area. So I think it, it actually really helped. Do you think that this experience for Ben, I mean, maybe it's rock bottom. Do you think that this in the end will help strengthen him mentally and, and, and such? I absolutely do. Um, he's going to work like no one's seen him work this summer. He's going to get in the gym and this is going to motivate him and to, to, to win the city. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, like, like we said, he's going to work extremely hard and he's going to come back a better player, a more confident player and kind of prove the, you know, the doubters wrong. You know, I, I was looking at your free throw percentages first year. I think you shot 63% next year, 81%. What is it about free throws and how much does it become mental? Yeah. I mean, like you said, you saw the, the, the 60% and you see a few not, not fall. And then when you step up there, it's like, you're, you're almost like aiming it for, for it to go in. And, and then it just kind of falls apart at that point. Um, but my biggest thing, it's all about reps. Just keep getting reps, keep building that confidence. And that's kind of, you know, what I do each day. Um, you know, I have a bad, free throw shooting night, make shoot a hundred free throws the next day of practice and, and so on and so forth. And that's kind of what I've done. And, and I got to tell you, you're having a career year. Um, I believe you led the NBA in steals per 100 possessions. Am I right? I, I don't look that stuff up. I, I hope you're, that, that would be awesome if you were right. Uh, I, I, um, Honestly, it's I, I got to thank my teammates and the coaching staff that we had um, kind of empowering me to, you know, take my defense to the next level and my game to the next level. Um, I, I feel like I've always had a, a knack for getting steals, um, getting in the passing lanes. And um, but, you know, my teammates to help make all that possible. And of course, you were the first sixer ever to hit a triple double off the bench. That's very impressive. And then this year, you became the first player since Mookie Blaylock in 98 to have a triple-double with points, steals, and assists, and the first to do it off the bench. Um, talk about your year and, and, and what you've made yourself into as an NBA player, undrafted out of college. Yeah, like I said, um, all the credit needs to go to the coaching staff, um, you know, the Pacers organization for giving me a chance and, you know, my teammates um, just kind of empowering me to take my game to the next level. I feel like my game really hasn't changed. You know, I've improved in areas, but just playing super hard, getting my teammates involved, shooting when I'm open, you know, and making things as difficult as possible for people when I'm on the defensive end. That's kind of what I've hung my hat on and, um, and just 
tried to do that at the highest level. Um, I think I did it for four years in, in Philly and, and then have, I've had two great years in Indy. So I'm happy with where I'm at, but you know, not satisfied. I'm going to keep working and, and getting better. And you also set the NBA record. You have the NBA record for most steals and a half with nine. So that's impressive. Uh, two years ago, when it came across my ticker that you had signed with the Pacers, I was like, huh? I mean, did you think the Sixers would bring you back? Did you want to stay in Philly? Yeah. I mean, my, my wife, um, she had a lot of friends there. I've met a lot of great people in Philly. Uh, love the Sixers organization. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of just didn't work out. Um, you know, that's unfortunate. I would have loved to stay. Um, but that's the business of the NBA. Kind of just, it, it's very rare someone stays at one spot unless you're a guy like Joel Embiid a gener or Ben Simmons, a generational type talent. Um, but, you know, I have nothing bad to say about the Sixers organization. Obviously, I have nothing bad to say about the fans uh, loved playing in front of them, loved playing for the organization. And, um, you know, I, I do think back and reminisce about the, the times we had going from the 10 wins to one bounce away from the Eastern Conference Finals. So it, it was a, a lot of fun. And we obviously saw Joel Embiid after that loss crying the way he did, how much he cares. Uh, when you saw him play with a small lateral meniscus tear, and you saw his growth this year. Just how impressed were you with Joel and, and his growth becoming a, a runner-up MVP? Or if he had played, let me ask you this, if he had played, let's say, 75 games or so, is he the MVP? I mean, I, I'd say quite literally, yes. You know, if he, if he played in, in, in more games, I feel like he would have had a, um, a way better shot you know, at being there at the end with the MVP, but that just shows you how good he is that he was in contention for MVP and, and didn't play as many games as Jokic. Um, but that's Joel. Um, you saw his greatness from the moment he stepped on the floor in Philadelphia. And, you know, I tell people this all the time. It's just, he shouldn't be able to do the things that he does at his size. Um, it's just remarkable to see him just continue to get better. And it's actually scary. Um, to see how much better he can get each year. Um, just such a dominant player. And, and, but, but that's Joel uh, to bring up your point about him playing through that. He wants to bring this city a championship so bad. And, you know, he played on half a knee and, and, uh, and, and was very close to doing that. I, I look back and I, I always see that famous picture with you and Joel after you hit that big shot. Um, were you worried that like his hands, because they're so big, could actually like start to squeeze your neck so hard that you couldn't breathe? I mean, uh, the picture's amazing. No, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite pictures ever. Um, that's just the type of friend and teammate Joel Embiid is, you know, I hit that, that, uh, game winner against New York and I feel like he was happier than I was. And, um, you know, a little scared. I didn't know what he was going to do, but, um, he's the greatest. I can't say enough good things about Joel and, um, you know, just incredible person and player and teammate. Do you have it in your mind that the way the process started getting Joel and, and his competitiveness, that Joel is going to win a championship one day here for this city? You know, I sure hope so. I, 
you know, I can't look into the future and, and, and guarantee that, but you know, he keeps continuing to get better and better and better. I just feel like, you know, he's right there each year. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, he and the Sixers can break for break through and, 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 and bring a championship to the city. Um, but, you know, I feel like he's just going to continue to get better and, and we'll kind of see where it goes from there. Do you have any great story that you remember from Joel or from Ben that would kind of show Philadelphia their competitiveness or what's really inside of them, what they're all about? Um, not really one that sticks out, but I, I feel like you see their competitiveness on a, on, a, on a daily basis, you know, by the way they play, the energy they bring, how they can get the crowd involved. Um, just two of the great competitors, you know, obviously in the organization, not only in the organization, but in the league. Um, they want to win more than anything. And you can't ask for more when it comes to your, to your main guys. And, and I forget this year when you were playing the Sixers, Tyrese Maxey, when he, when he was on the floor, uh, did you guard him? I can't remember. Yeah, I did. Um, I think one of those games, I had a lot of trouble guarding him and he's, I think he's going to be really, really good. Um, he showed flashes of, uh, of, of greatness this year in the playoffs as a rookie. Um, you know, he's incredibly, incredibly smart. He's quick. He gets his teammates involved, knows when to take an open shot. Um, I think they got, they got a steal on that kid. And um, it's fun to play against him, but it's a joy to watch him as well. And he's only going to get better because I hear nothing but good things about him and he, how incredibly hard he works as well. Well, I mean, they said that about you here and uh, we're happy for you here in Philly, the career you've made for yourself. And uh, that's cool that you said you kind of learned some things, mental toughness, going through the tough times of the process in the city of Philadelphia. Um, so we appreciate the time and we're happy for your success. Maybe, maybe one day soon, maybe next year, Sixers Pacers in the playoffs. I mean, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, it would be um, to kind of be an opposing player playing in Wells Fargo. Um, in the playoffs, uh, I think it would be pretty fun. So we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. Awesome. We appreciate the time and, and thanks. I know I asked you some tough questions about Ben. Um, it's good to hear a, a perspective from somebody that played with him. And, and I, I think everybody in Philly hopes that he gets into the gym and he works on those things. Cause man, I mean, if you can unlock that, he's so talented, his size and his skills, um, he, he can be one of the best in the game. No, I mean, I completely agree with you. And I think, I think people are going to see a different Ben and he's going to, I know he's going to be in the gym every day, working incredibly hard. And, you know, doc said that they have a plan and, and Ben's going to, and going to follow through with that and work incredibly hard. And I'm excited for the future uh, for him. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. 
so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. All right, well, best wishes to you and uh, congrats on your uh, five-month-year-old son. I mean, that's unbelievable. Um, and, and I wish you the best of success. Success, if I could say that word. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Uh, um, it, it's been fun. So thanks again. Thanks, TJ. Appreciate your time, man. Yes, sir. Thanks. Who am I? I'm the greatest. Who am I? I'm so 